Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. For you, the listeners of the Do Something Beautiful podcast, with a free 30-day trial of Audible, you can get my new book, The Other Side of Beauty, read to you by yours truly for free. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. Audible is Amazon's audio bookstore, and it has over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from. And so if you're like me and you like to listen to books while you travel, exercise, or cook, this is perfect for you. To get my audiobook for free, all you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. That's audibletrial.com slash Darrow, and you're in. The Do Something Beautiful podcast is also brought to you by Haiti 180. If you want to do something beautiful in the world, but find yourself busy, possibly overwhelmed with life, family, or work, but you still want to donate money for a good cause, you can still do something beautiful by becoming a Team 180 member. Haiti 180 provides an orphanage for 40 children, two elderly homes, a school for over 200 students, and a medical clinic in a small village in the hills of Haiti. Now, many of the listeners of this podcast have generously donated over $26,000 to build the maternity wing of the new hospital. And for as little as $15 a month, you can sponsor an orphan. That's 50 cents a day, people, 50 cents a day to help a little boy or a little girl have a good and just life. I've been there. I have seen their good works and I continue to give them my time, talent, and treasure. And I'm asking you to do the same. Go to Haiti180.com and do something beautiful with me. That's Haiti180.com. Well, hello there, friends. Welcome back. Today, we get to talk with Katie Prejean McGrady. Katie is an international speaker, educator, and author. We're going to talk about a couple of things in this podcast in particular. One is her new book called Follow Your Lifelong Adventure with Jesus. Really excited to actually share that with you. And then the second part is that she was a part of this synod in Rome. She just got back from Rome. And that was, this was really interesting. This was a synod on Catholic youth, of how the church can answer its, its call to help youth all over the world follow Christ. And so there were very, there were people chosen all over the world to come to the synod. And there were, I think there were like maybe three people from the United States chosen, and Katie was one of those. So we could talk about like what her inside opinion was being in the Vatican, working on that, and really kind of what happened. It's a great conversation that I have with her. Katie has her degree in theology from the University of Dallas. On her website, she says that she loves to watch NBA basketball, but she has no dance skills whatsoever. She is a wife. She's a mama. She's a sweet girl. And she's really fun and very knowledgeable about discipleship and following Christ, which is obviously why she wrote the book and why we're talking to her today. So without further ado, here is Miss Katie. Well, friends, I'm really happy to have you back here on the podcast because we are talking to Miss Katie. Katie, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Really happy to have you on. There are um so so we know each other through the speaking circuit, so to speak. <laughs> but that we've ne- world. That world, that weird world. 
but we've never worked together yet. Not yet. No, this summer, though, in my home state. I'm pretty excited. (laughs) I know. Me too. This summer, Katie and I both will be speaking at the Steubenville Conference. I think it's called South. Is that right? Yeah, Steubenville South, the second one that they had outside, or well, excuse me, the first one that they ever had outside of Ohio. Okay, so Uh, this is a big, big deal. It's a good place to, to be. Okay, so you are a Louisiana girl, correct? I am born and raised. I don't sound like it, but I am born and raised in this wonderful state. That's true. You definitely don't sound like it. Now, I married a man from that area. He is, Ricky is from Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, St. Louis. Yeah, it's a great little place, great little beach town. And, um, but half of his life is basically, or most of his life was really spent in New Orleans with a lot of family. Yeah. We are there every year. Every summer, we literally spend our summer in Mississippi. I mean, I don't know who does that but us, but we do. It's it's the kindest people you'll ever meet in the entire world between Louisiana, Mississippi and Alabama. So you can't that was that's a good decision. That's a good a good call. It is. They are wonderful people. But it's just so funny to me that like where we go is in one of the hottest, muggiest places in the country in the summer. (laughs) We choose. We choose Mississippi. But that's where Ricky's from, and I love it. I love Louisiana, and I cannot wait to be there for the Steubenville. I've spoken at Steubenville South before. I'm assuming you have as well? So not South. I've been pretty much all over except, you know, two hours north of me, which is kind of funny. Like, they send you all over the country, and then there's one local. Um, So no, this will be my first. I went to it when I was in high school. So I do know the conference, you know, and and I know the Josh Blakesley band. They're kind of like, you know, good old hometown boys. Get to do the music for it. So it's great. You're going to love it. <laughs> I can't wait. I love it. I, one reason, I mean, Steubenville conferences in general are super fun for a variety of reasons. I mean, I'm only talking as like a speaker. I never went mm-hmm. as a kid. So I, I don't have that experience. But for me, just to like take a peek into like the young church of what is going on, it's really powerful to be a part of and an honor. But South, in particular, the location in Louisiana, if you're thinking about signing up for one of those student vote conferences, you definitely want to do that because registration is open and those spots are taken quickly. So get your youth group or your group or whatever you got going on signed up quick. But South is special. And I personally think South is special, mostly due to the culture of Louisiana and the food. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'll eat better than you ever have in your entire life. And you get Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So how can you complain? No, um, you can't. But I, you, you can't. <laughs> they feed you jambalaya. I mean, it's amazing. It's yeah. so good. And everywhere else has has hotel food or like convention food. And, and we've got good old boys out back with their gigantic pots and spoons, like making homemade <laughs> cooking. Like it's it is where you want to be. No, it, Listen, what Katie's saying is absolutely true. I've witnessed this. I I was there at South four years ago, I think four or five years ago now. And you literally do this. You see these men and women, big old crawfish boil type pots mm-hmm. in the back outside making food all day long for three days straight for the conference. It is amazing. And I promise you, I will take some pictures and post them on social media just to prove this there you point. Go. It's really, really <laughs> great. So, okay. So there, there we have it. So that's kind of like how we've kind of known each other. Really excited to work with you personally, this conference in South. But you've kind of been all over in terms of like what you've been doing and speaking. So you recently got married. Yeah. You recently two years ago. Two years ago. And then you just had a baby. Mm-hmm. Little Rosie. Rose. Rose. Oh, I love that name. It's so beautiful. So 
and you continue to do this work, we're going to talk about a couple of things. I want to talk to you about your new book, Follow. And I also want to talk to you to start out. You were just in Rome, correct? I was. Yeah, I got back. So we're recording this at the end of March. I just got back yesterday, a couple of days ago, a couple of days ago. Jet lag has not totally disappeared yet. So I'm like re- very thrown off. I have no idea what time it is. I'm hungry at the weirdest times. Um, <laughs> like I just I haven't readjusted as quickly as I thought I would. But yeah, I was just there for the, the pre-synod gathering. And this is a title, right? Pre-synodal gathering of young people on youth, faith and vocational discernment. That was like the official title of what we were what we were called. We were essentially just talking for like a week. But that that was the essential title. OK, so you were there. I mean, who else was there and like, what was the point and what did you do? I mean, did you sit around and just talk about youth all day? I mean, like, what do these yeah. do for the USCCB? So essentially what it was, a few months ago, Pope Francis called for a synod on youth, faith and vocational discernment, just like they had the synod on marriage and the family. You know, they've done synods on a variety of topics. So it, they just did the one on the family. It made sense to have one on, you know, the young people in the family or the young people affected by the family. In calling the Synod, which is always a gathering of bishops, he discerned that it would be valuable to bring actual young people to the table to talk about themselves, to talk about their situation, to talk about trends within youth culture, to talk about why so many young people are disaffiliating from the faith. So that's what this was. It was a gathering of 300 young people ages 16 to 29 was kind of the range that they called for. And every Episcopal conference got to send delegates. And then they also invited different religious orders to send delegates. Um, There were seminarians there from different countries. So the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops asked three young people to go, myself, a religious brother, and then a campus minister from a college. So we were the three USCCB delegates, but there were also delegates from, we had a Franciscan friar with us. We had a religious sister of mercy with us. We had a diocesan seminarian with us. There was somebody from an organization called Voices of Faith. It was over 10 Americans in total. And we were there for eight days. Yeah, eight days where essentially we were put into language groups. So you discussed these 15 questions sent to us by the Vatican. And then from those language groups wrote summaries that then were crafted into a final document. So all of that to say, we did sit around and talk a lot. We sat around and wrote. We sat around and ate a ton of pasta which even like the crummiest pasta in Italy is better than anything you can find in the States. So it was great. And just really shared our experiences and our understanding of young people, of ministry, of why people love the church, of why people leave the church, and of what we think the bishops can do to better evangelize. That was kind of the point. Okay. So let me ask you a question. I mean, like, for us right now, I mean, can you give us like a snippet? Like, what did your group come up with? Like, like why do you think young people are leaving the church today? Well, so in my group, I was the only one from the United States of America. And in my group, we had people from Latvia, Sweden, Switzerland, Germany, Kenya, Ghana, Ethiopia, India, the UK, United Kingdom. So it was a pretty wide ranging group. That's let me preface it with that. And the reasons people leave in the United States are far different than the reasons people are leaving elsewhere. Like in the United States, you know, some people leave the church because they get bored or you know, they're better entertained at a, a Protestant church or they see some external issues. So there's this abuse of power or there's the sex abuse scandal had, you know, that in many different surveys, that seems to be a huge reason why some young people have disaffiliated. But then in having conversations with, say, one of the young ladies was from China 
a lot of young people are not active in the faith there because they're not allowed to be. The government oppresses them and they're not allowed to receive formation and churches are not open except on Sunday when the government controls when you have mass and what the priest says. So like that dichotomy of like we in America leave the church because we were bored or we, we just don't feel like going versus some people in some countries leave the church because they have no experience of church because they're literally not allowed to have an experience of church. It forced me the whole week to kind of check my Catholic privilege. And like we have it pretty good in the United States of America and the opportunities that we have. I mean, the fact that we started talking about this conference that's available two hours north of me in, in Alexandria, Louisiana, that will have two to three thousand young people gathered willingly. And within a five hour driving radius, there will be two other conferences just like that offered over the course of the summer. And then we'll be thousands of more young people that will get to experience that across the country. Like we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to youth ministry and young adult ministry in the United States of America. So the whole week I was just constantly amazed at what really is going on elsewhere and how we have it pretty good. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity here for us, a lot of free freedom to express ourselves and express our faith. Mm-hmm. And we don't seem to take up on that freedom as often and as fervently as we should. So within those dilemmas that were presented that, you know, through research and and you guys is living in different places and adding in your two cents with that, what was also the, the suggested possible solutions? Yeah. So every group got to submit, like I mentioned earlier, these summaries from our conversations. And then that was compiled into a document, which is available. You can read it online. It's on the Vatican website. It's on synod2018.va. And the big theme of the document is accompaniment, which is kind of a buzzword in Catholic world right now. Accompaniment, encounter, you know, journey with, companions, like all the buzzwords that you can imagine. And essentially what young people said from around the world was that faith is best expressed and best taught and best inspired in people when we see other people living their faith. And so what, what really helps young adults come back to the church, what really inspires a young adult or a youth to stay committed to their faith is when they have companions on the journey who are are living their faith actively, who give testimony and witness and walk with a young person on their journey of meeting Jesus Christ. And that's said pretty consistently throughout the document. And we say some other things. We talk about how we want the church to be more specific in the way it explains really tough teachings, but how we love those church teachings, but how so many people walk away from the faith because they don't understand. And so we need really good, better explanations. We talk a little bit about how the church should enter more actively into the internet and the space of technology and use modern means of communication to really help articulate the breadth of those teachings, which for the record, most people in other countries credited the United States for being a leader in that. And how we, like we as American Catholics have kind of taken over the internet with all of this content that we produce and create and how they're using it all around the world. So major props to to those of us that are in the internet. And we talked a lot about how, you know, the church should empower young people, how allowing young people to be protagonists in their faith journey is really what keeps young people at the table. We don't want to be passively dragged along, but how young people, young adults, 16 to 29 year olds, they want to be active agents and share their ideas and give witness to what they're struggling with and continue to grow with people like them. Yeah. Amen. I mean, it all seems to kind of come down to, I'm just sitting here thinking about what we're going to talk about next and what you're saying. And granted, I mean, this just might be like a forced connection in some ways, but it's really about that personal relationship 
with Christ mm-hmm. in the beauty and the richness of Catholicism, what it has. And that's exactly what you talk about in your new book, Follow. I mean, so, it, I mean, did you know that your launch date for the book or what you write in the book? And this, I mean, I'm sure you did it. I'm just going to ask. But I mean, like, because it's like, did you like you could have written your book at the Synod and been right. like, here, here you go. It's everything right. of what you were just talking about that's actually in your book. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit is really funny um, and he loves to pull tricks on us in a good way. Kind of constantly prove like I'm really in charge of your life. So I wrote this book. I finished it a week before Rose was born. I turned my manuscript in and didn't touch it again until she was close to three months old. But so like they organized the release date, the publisher and all that good stuff. And so they told me the release date was going to be March 31st with an anticipation of it coming out like a couple of weeks before in time for the Los Angeles Religious Ed Congress because they wanted to have copies there. So like I had this kind of like this two week span on my calendar post L.A. Congress pre book release where I I didn't have anything on my calendar. I didn't want to travel. I didn't want to go anywhere. So that I could be home and like work on promoting and advertising the book. So like I had the week presented blocked off for nothing. And then I get so I didn't have any gigs scheduled. Like I wasn't traveling anywhere. And if you look at the rest of my year, like that was really my only off week. And then I get invited to go to this presented. And it was kind of like Jesus is laughing at me like, oh, you kept that week for yourself. But I actually need you in Rome, you know, to to do something for my church. So it was great. Like it really did coordinate perfectly. So so I am a little bit behind in like book promotion because I was over there seven hours ahead and kind of like off schedule. I actually kind of forgot that the book had come out and was available while I was over there. But every time people were talking about like their own personal testimonies of faith and like the ways that they live the faith, like I was making mental checklists like, yeah, I talk about that in the book. Uh huh. Yeah, I talk about that. Oh, I've seen that work. Like it was really it was kind of a cool affirmation of like, you know, I wrote this book not in a hurry, but I wrote this book in three and a half months because I wanted it to be finished before Rose was born. And like at every turn, I was kind of questioning and doubting myself. I'm like, is this actually right? Is this good? Is this going to be valuable? And then I sat with people from around the world and they're having the exact same thoughts. I was like, okay, yeah, it's fine. Jesus took over. It's good. Amen. That's awesome. Especially when God gives you like an international answer. Right, right. <laughs> just by the way, it's not just like great, like the whole world is right there with you and, yeah. you know, agreeing and also lamenting kind of like the struggle with yeah. with our journey and our relationship with Christ. So let's, okay, let's move on to this book. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and I have a lot of things that I want to talk to you about with this book. I've got tabs all over it. So, oh, good. <laughs> so the book is called Follow Your Lifelong Adventure with Jesus. It is great, beautiful, well-written. It's also the layout and the many different like nice fonts that you guys are using. It's really, really wonderful. Congratulations to you and Ave Maria Press. Like, well done. It looks great. It And then, of course, the content inside is actually pretty darn good, <laughs> which is really what you're going to want. But you break it down. I'll let you kind of go over it. For, but from what I understand, this book is kind of broken down into like four groupings, four practical ways that we can really engage, begin, engage, and stick with this adventure with Christ for our life? Yeah. So it's not rocket science. I think growing in relationship with Jesus is contingent upon talking to Jesus. It's contingent upon you know knowing who he is and reading his story. It's contingent upon allowing yourself to be transformed by him. And it's it depends a lot on how, how you then express that and live that to the world. And so Kind of the four movements of that would be we talk to the Lord through prayer. We learn about the Lord by reading scripture. We receive the grace and are fueled 
by the Lord, by receiving him through the sacraments. And then we, we go out and we serve others and give witness to him. So prayer, scripture, sacraments, and service are kind of the four movements of the book. And we get really practical. I did not want to write a book for a high school student that was boring. I wanted to write a book that would allow them you know, to wake up every morning and like, this is your task. Like, this is something you're going to do because this book laid it out for you and gave you a checklist of sorts that you can work your way through and grow your relationship. And so, I mean, a young person can pick it up and they can read it cover to cover, or they can pick it up, they can read chapter one, they can spend a few weeks like really learning how to intensely pray and really building that life of prayer and then move on to chapter two. It's kind of a, a build your own adventure kind of book. Well, if you like fashion, gourmet food, and your faith, you need to know that I am leading a Theology of Beauty pilgrimage to Italy this July 2018 with Father Leo Paddlinghug, the famous cooking priest. We'll be heading out there July 7th through the 16th, and there are uh, there are still a few seats available, but I can't guarantee how long they're going to last, so you want to book it now. We will be heading up some amazing cities such as Milan, Turin, Venice, and of course, Roma. A pilgrimage is so much more than a vacation. It's really a time to unplug and reconnect to your faith and the people around you. It's a wonderful experience. You can find out every detail and the itinerary at my website, leadero.com slash pilgrimage. Grab your spot now before it sells out and I'll see you in Italy. When I first picked it up, that's kind of what I did is, mm-hmm. and that's typically when I'm looking at books, I'll just rarely am I like, okay, I'm going to start with page one and I'm not going to look right. through it at all, you know? And just like what you even suggest with reading the Bible. So let me start there with one of the, like, I think this is like your second way of these paths of getting to know Christ is mm-hmm. through scripture and opening your ears, as you call it. And you have this piece where this section is called develop a habit of reading scripture, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a novel approach to most people today. And it definitely was for me prior to my conversion, like reading mm-hmm. scripture was like, I don't, it was so intimidating. I saw that big old Bible on my mom and dad's fireplace mantle. And I thought, yep, I ain't t- touching that. Like, right, right. I, it might fall apart. It looks old. I don't know. I'm literally scared to turn pages. Like it was, it was, it was hard for me to think like I could I could hold it and use it and read in it and it maybe even underline something that stuck, struck out to me. But you really talk about like how I like how like this is so practical. You just literally step by step, you kind of you even give great commentaries with the Bible that we could look at. And then this one piece, you definitely suggest like don't just pick it up and read from page one. Like that's right. that, that's not the best way to go about it. But you also encourage the reader to start with the Old Testament and in particular, those first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, I guess, or the Torah mm-hmm. for our Jewish mm-hmm. friends. But, and so you go through that. And what I enjoyed is after that point, and I'd like for you to kind of go over like these first steps, you actually take those first five books of the Bible, a few more, and you give like almost reading guide questions and yeah. pieces of the scripture. Can you just kind of go over a little bit of that? I think that was very interesting and very unique for this book. Yeah, I, you know, I've, in teaching high school students for five years and then being a youth minister, I always found that dropping a Bible on a young person's desk and saying like, here, you know, good luck. Like they didn't know where to begin. They didn't have the 
the stamina or the drive to like just take the initiative themselves. And that's not a knock on young people. I am the same way. Like I need somebody to guide me. I need somebody to walk with me. That's why I have this Magnificat subscription. So I like I have a reflection every day when I read the scriptures, like they're giving me something to think about. So I wanted to create some questions that were a applicable to a young person's station in life. So something that like is relevant to their situation, but also called them to unpack and kind of start peeling back the layers of these stories and these narratives that articulate how God works in creation and how God works in our lives. And so, I mean, like the covenant with Abram, for example, like from the outside looking in, it's this ancient story of an old man who has a kid and like, cool, like, great. But like, how does that affect our lives? Like the question is, God asks Abram to look at the stars and trust him. What kind of trust do you have in God and his promises? And so like right there, a young person is called to think about the breadth of their life or just the past week. And like, have you trusted God with your plans? Have you trusted God with your hopes and your dreams? Have you trusted God with your decisions? Have you asked God to give you a spirit of trust? It it, it forces the reader who's looking at scripture to look at it through a personal lens rather than this ancient story of these, you know, these old things that happened once upon a time. But no, like this is a story. This is a moment relevant to my life right now in 2018 as a high school student, as a young adult. As a mom, you know, my own mom read this book and she called me when she finished it. And my mom and my dad are my favorite audience because like every book I write, like I kind of feel like I'm giving them some credit to like, hey, like you educated me and you sent me to really good schools and like you supported me. So I'm always waiting for like my mom and dad's analysis of my book, their critique. And she called me and she said, you inspired me to go to morning mass this morning, which she always does anyway. But she was like, I actually got out of bed and like wanted to go. So you inspired me to go to Morning Mass because I finished your book and I went and bought a new Bible so that I could start reading it again. And like, I was like, cool. Like even my almost, I'm not going to actually say her name because she'll kill me. But like even my mom, my grandmother mom, like was inspired by these questions. Um, So I think, I think they're relevant. They are. And they're very practical. I like how personal they are. I mean, even going back Mm -hmm. to what you're talking about in the covenant with Abram, I mean, like you even, uh, I'm reading it right now. It says, rate your trust on the scale of one to 10 yeah. that you have with God. I'm like, yeah, how great is that? I mean, it's just so simple and practical, mm-hmm. but like, maybe I should like, where am I at? And sometimes it's hard to evaluate ourselves with our relationship, yeah. God, but we need to, we need to kind of take, have like a little way station being like, where, where am I at in this? Um, yeah, absolutely. Rather than just saying, well, I could probably trust more, you know, but like be more concrete. And so just Mm -hmm. the push that some of these very practical questions have as you're reading scripture is great. I really, really appreciated them myself when I was going through this. And I'm like, you know, some of these questions, we need to ask ourselves this more. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it definitely is questions that pertain to all people of all ages. It really doesn't matter because it's it's about your relationship with Christ. And that's ageless Mm -hmm. and timeless, as we know. Right. Um, So, okay, with the scripture, the other aspect that you, well, one of the the third aspect that you include is sacraments mm-hmm. and just going through all the different sacraments, the beauty of them receiving the grace, what they do. And I love what you put in here about confession and you really encourage, <laughs> I don't, this really shouldn't be a shock, but you really encourage monthly confession. Can yeah. you? And then of course, I love the fact that actually you actually include the examination of conscious in there. And it's, there, you include even the longer version of it, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. really can kind of help you, especially each night, if you kind of can go through that, evaluate that. Can you kind of like 
explain a little bit of kind of like what you put in there and like you include some really great pieces in there and great stories, but I really enjoyed what you had there. And I'd love for our listeners to hear that. Yeah. I, I think confession sometimes, even as a faithful Catholic myself, like I'm intimidated by the thought of walking into a tiny little room and saying all the stuff that I've done. Like, even though I know I'm meeting Jesus in there, and even though I know I'm going to feel better when I walk out and like, this is what I need to be back in right relationship. Like it can be very, very challenging. So imagine a young person who's trying to build this relationship with Jesus. And like, we tell them, oh yeah, you should go to confession. And oh, you should probably think about the stuff that you've done. Like I wanted to give them a very practical list by list examination that like was relevant to their lives, but also invited them to want to go, if that makes sense, like to inspire within them, like, oh, yeah, like I did this stuff and it removed me from from the heart of God and it led me away from this relationship that I desperately desire and want with him. And so, like, I should run to this hospital, so to speak. I should run to receive this mercy that will heal my soul. And so I, I painted in such a way where it's like we go through the Ten Commandments because that is the definition of mortal sin, like breaking one of these Ten Commandments knowingly and and knowing that it's wrong and choosing to do it anyway and just really ask them like you know have you done this and to help them contemplate why you know i think one of the things that really benefits i know me personally when i go to confession is not just like you know i did all this i lied i cheated i was disrespectful whatever it is like you know like this list of do's and don'ts but like my favorite confessions are the ones when the priest goes okay now what do you think the root of all that is like where do you think this is coming from is it pride is it arrogance? Is it lust? Like what's going on in your life to cause these external things? And so I, I wanted this examination of conscience to do that, to go kind of one step deeper, to be relevant for their situations in life as a young person, but also to invite them into what's the reason? What's at the root of this? Because if you can root out that core problem and you can get to the heart of the matter, then those repeat sins won't continue to be repeated. Like they won't keep coming up and you will eat you will convert. You really will truly turn your heart back to the Lord. Amen. And that's really obviously what it's all about is that continual metanoia conversion of just constantly turning ourselves away from the inward selfishness of who we are and more towards Christ and living that out throughout our lives in so many different ways that I, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I want to move quickly because I really would love for you to share this story to this mm-hmm. This last aspect of your book that you share, which is the service area in sharing the gift of what you call it. And it all kind of comes down to that, right? Like that's the Great Commission. Like you're with Christ, you're committed to Christ, and then you share in Christ's mission. And you actually start, you know, putting the putting the stuff into action. And in that, which is one of my favorite pieces. So I went back and I was like reading through it. And I, I really was moved by the story that you shared in there. And I don't, if you're, I don't know if you're willing, but I would love for you, if you could, to share the story with Father Augustino. Yeah, yeah, Father Augustino. So one of my favorite priests. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to, because this, this story always reminds me, like, you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself, Katie. Like, this is, <laughs> this is kind of like the rubber meets the road and not, you know, when we're holding microphones or recording podcasts or even writing books, but like when we're in the lived moment of, I have a chance to witness to Jesus Christ. I have a chance to testify to my faith. Am I going to do it? So I was invited to come speak at the City of Saints conference at the Archdiocese of Los Angeles hosts on UCLA's campus. Um, and I love doing ministry in California. Um, you know, California gets a bad rap as being like this weird, expensive place where they've legalized weed. But like I have done some of my, my best ministry and some of the coolest people I know are in California. So I love going and I was super amped to go to this conference. 
And so we're stuck in traffic after landing. And it was my husband and I, we were newlyweds at the time. Teresa, the lady that helped work with the archdiocese that was picking all of us up, and Father Agostino Torres, who is a Franciscan friar of the Renewal based out of the Bronx. And like you, you spend 10 minutes with Father Agostino and like your entire entire life and entire mission is completely called to the mat because this is a guy that like has, has given up everything. He's, he's bowed to poverty. He sleeps on the floor when he stays in hotels because he's so committed to his vow. And like just this incredible servant of God who is willing to go the distance to testify to his faith in Jesus Christ. So we're sitting in this car and we're stuck in L.A. traffic because that's just what happens. And we're just we're sharing stories. We're talking about life. We're talking about the conference in general, like the schedule. And off in the distance is this guy. We, we see this homeless man underneath the overpass and he has a sign, you know, asking for help. And, you know, you see home, homeless people are a dime, dime a dozen around the world. Right. Like it's almost like we've become desensitized to the reality of somebody sitting under an overpass begging for food and money to survive. Like, again, like, you know, I, I could walk into my living room right now and grab dozens of items like baby toys or baby gear or just like my brand new sofas that my husband and I got for Christmas. Like this embarrassment of, of riches. We don't recognize the gifts that we we have in our own blessings. And so like when we see homeless people, we, we just kind of blow them off. We don't even recognize them. And that's what I did. Like I didn't even notice the guy. But then like he started walking towards our car and like his eyes were like locked on our vehicle as we're stuck in this LA traffic and he is making a beeline over to us. And I do and I'm not proud of this, but like I reached over and locked my door. And as he's getting closer and closer to our car, like I'm thinking to myself, like he's going to like knock on our windows. Like he's going to like, I, like I have no idea what maybe he's got a weapon. Like I have no idea what's about to happen. And Father Augustino rolls his window down and like hangs out the side of the car and like calls the guy closer. And here I am. I've like locked my car door and I'm like, what is he doing? Like, this is dangerous. This is not a good idea. And he proceeds to start talking to the guy and just like listening to the guy's story and like asking him what his situation is and how he ended up where he was and like, what did he need and what did he want? And then he prayed over him. He put his hand on top of the guy's head and he prayed over him. And then he reached into his pocket. And this was the part of the story that like blew my mind. Father Agostino is a Franciscan friar. He is sworn to poverty. He travels with very little cash on him. And he pulled a $20 bill out of like the five $20 bills that he had. And he gave one to the guy. And the man, like his face lit up like a Christmas tree, like it might as well, might as well have been a million dollars. And he, he, he hugged Father Augustino through the window and he started like praying over Father Augustino and just like rejoicing in his generosity. And traffic starts to move. And so like Teresa's like, Father Augustino, you got to roll the window up. So like, he rolls the window up and off we go. And the man's just like continuing to stand there, like cheering as all these cars are zooming around him. And I am mortified at myself because I locked the door. And here Father Augustino has just like hung out the side of the car and prayed with this guy and helped him. And, and he turns around and he goes like, I'm pretty sure we just met Jesus, y'all. And we did. Like that was that was a moment of faith sharing. That was a moment of meeting Jesus Christ and the hungry and the poor and the naked and, and, and the sick. And I totally rejected the moment while Father Augustino did exactly what Jesus Christ calls us all to do. And like it really did put the rest of my weekend in perspective. It put the rest of my year in perspective. It was obviously life-changing enough to where I wanted to include it in the book. It's kind of like this call to arms of, do we lock the doors or do we do we hang out the side of the car? Like, do we recognize where the Lord needs us or are we so insulated and prideful and unaware of the blessings that we have that we don't even notice the opportunity before us? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I read that story so slowly because I, just wanted to make make sure, you know, I was obviously getting everything, but like 
it would that was it's really profound, especially when I mean even hearing you talk about it is great, but like when you can sit down and you can read and pray that story in the book, it is life changing. I I've met Father Augustino at a few events, and not that it matters too much, but he is this wonderful man and yeah. and priest and everything. But his actions there, yeah, it's it's what we're all called to do. And it's such that, that that's such a great thing that you just said. Like, do we lock the doors in our life? to meeting Christ in the distressing disguise of the poor? Mm -hmm. Or do we roll down the window or open the door and literally let Christ into our life Mm -hmm. in that way? Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's, it's really profound. It's obviously it's that towards the end of the book where you can really start getting into like that. You really do a good job, Katie, of kind of pulling it together and encouraging us through so many great stories. And once again, practical ways that we can reach out and share in Christ's mission. I mean, you talk about like having care bags for the homeless Mm -hmm. residents, Habitat for Humanity, Catholic Relief Services, visiting people that are homebound or in nursing. I mean, like you give great practical ways like, and this is how you do it. Instead of just saying, yes, go share in the mission of Christ. (laughs) Figure it out. Figure it out. (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, like I remember being a high school kid and seeing people up on stages or like reading books or going to youth group and people like, yeah, you should love Jesus. And I'd always sit there and go, but how? Like, I mean, the whole book was inspired by a young man who asked very practical questions that I had really crummy answers for initially. And so like, it took me a year to put them and articulate them. And I wanted somebody to be able to, to pick up the book and you have to try really hard to find something that like to not do, if that makes sense. Like it'd be very difficult to fail at doing this book because there's an abundance of opportunities and things that I I tried to lay out to inspire people to go do stuff for Jesus and to to pray well and to read scripture well and to prepare for mass. Yeah, it is. And and that's, that's probably my favorite thing about this book. And I, and I, I really think, because to be honest with you, as you know, Katie, there are a lot of books out there about discipleship and, walking with Jesus. And that's great. What I have found honestly so unique about this book is the practical level that you've brought to the reader of like, this is how you can follow it out. It's not exhaustive. You know, there's lots of other other ways, but there is plenty of opportunity Mm -hmm. here that you give. And I really, I mean, to be honest with you, that, there's a variety of different reasons, but I was so happy to talk to you about this book on this podcast because it really is unique. It is different. This isn't just like, oh, hey, I know Katie, she wrote a book, so I'm going to have her on. But <laughs> there is a, there's a point and there's a reason why why we're talking about this because this is something different. And friends, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you, and you know I don't lead you astray. This really is a different book. It is more practical, especially if you've got, if you need it, or if you have people in your life, which I know you do, right? Sadly, we know that because we know how many people leave the church, how many young people leave the church before they even enter into their sophomore year of college. Grab this book. Grab this book before the year is out. Make this your graduation gift for any person, regardless if they're going from just grade to grade or leaving college or high school. This would be really, really well because it does do that. It's done it for me, Katie. So I appreciate that for you. I mean, (laughs) it has been so good. And once again, it's just well-written and practical where you're not going to feel overwhelmed of following the savior of the world (laughs) in Mm -hmm. your life. Right, right. That's that's a huge task. I mean, it's intimidating. Like, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus. And then you kind of freeze in the moment and you don't know, okay, what do I do next? And it it's not, again, it's not rocket science, but we do sometimes need those very practical. I, I know I do in my life. Like I need my spiritual director a lot of times to hand me a list or say like, okay, this is what you're going to work on 
for the next five to six weeks. And so I, I hope that's what it is to a lot of people. Yeah, well, I, I think you absolutely nailed it. I think it's wonderful. I know it is. I know it's going to help people. I know it's helped me. I, I Once again, just I'm a big fan of someone saying, look, this is what I need need you to do. Or like, here is a list of possible things. And then you pick those ones out that like you seem to be drawn towards. Like you said, like what your spiritual director does for you, that is kind of what the book is. It's kind of like your little mini spiritual director to kind of help you guide guide you in your journey with Christ and help yeah. you give that practical. There's practical ways to do things, to speak to the Lord, to listen to the Lord and to receive his grace in the sacraments. Katie, well, once again, I'm a huge fan mm-hmm. of everything that God's doing in your life. It's so great Thanks. to see. I love everything that you post. So what are the best ways that people can get in touch with you? So I'm on Instagram, although fair warning, it's a lot of pictures of my adorable little girl at Katie Prejean. <laughs> and it's the same on Twitter. So, and it's, that's kind of where I am. I blog for a couple of different outlets, Ave Maria Press and uh, on my personal website, katieprejean.com. But pretty much Twitter and Instagram is kind of where I'm at in the, the internet world. Yes, I know. And that's kind of, that seems to be the place where most people kind of hang out. It's a little bit mm-hmm. easier. So we'll definitely include all of those links in the show notes. And of course, as you know, I'm going to include the link for the book because you, <laughs> you got to get the book and you can grab that and you can grab that through the link. Oh, hey, there's a dog. And, oh, yeah, he's um, sorry. <laughs> it's no big. Even he's the dog. the homestead. <laughs> even the dog wants to be a part of this podcast. It's there you true. Go. But you can grab the, Katie's new book, Follow, Your Lifelong Adventure with Jesus. You can grab it anywhere Catholic books are sold. You can also grab it on Amazon, which is where a lot of other different types of books are sold to. But <laughs> Amazon can get there. And especially if you have that prime membership, like I'm sure a lot of you have, you get your free ship and all that great stuff. You won't be disappointed. I promise you. Promise you. Promise you. Promise you. You're not going to be disappointed. You're going to love this book. It's going to be, it's really, really great. Make sure you grab a couple copies and pass them out for the amazing people in your life that you want to follow Christ, which for the record, that should be everybody. So Katie, one last thing before we leave. Yeah. One last thing before we wrap up. I would love if you could give us a challenge. And I, I know it's going to be amazing and great because I read the book and everything in there was great. So can you give us a challenge? of whatever's on your heart to our listeners today, maybe how we can better follow Christ in our life. Yeah, I would encourage everybody, and fair warning, this is a tough prayer, but I would encourage everybody to go look up the Litany of Humility. It's a prayer that's completely changed my life. Uh, My husband and I pray it every Sunday evening before we go to bed and as we're like starting our week. So we prepare ourselves for what the Lord will do to humble us. But the Litany of Humility, and just spend some time meditating on each one of the lines in the Litany of Humility and then asking which one the Lord really wants you to work on. It is in the book, so you could always buy a copy of the book and find it in there, or you can just Google it. But to make the Litany of Humility a part of your daily prayer and your daily practice, because it, it oftentimes reveals to us exactly where the Lord wants to work on us and exactly how the Lord wants to, to soften our rough edges and invite us closer to Him. So, so Litany of Humility is kind of my, uh, that's my big prayer for the year. That's what I've been advertising to everybody. So that's my challenge. Amen. And we'll definitely include that actual prayer in the show notes too. So you can grab it, copy and paste it, put it in some place where you can print it out yeah. and you can have it there. So that sounds wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Katie. You've been thank a joy, you. absolute joy to talk to you. I cannot wait to work with you personally this yes. summer because we're both going to have our babies with us too. Yes. Oh yeah. It'll be great. Yeah. I'm, yours will be really, really little. I'll, I'll get my newborn fix. That'll be great. <laughs> exactly. I'll have like a four-week-old baby and uh, gosh awesome. how will rose be close to how old will she be she'll, she'll be almost one um, wow so yeah it'll, that'll be fun that'll be a good one 
Yeah. So we Her life all about that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it'll be good for us to be there. Katie, thank you so much for all the things that you do. I mean, obviously in the world of evangelization, but thank you also too for your witness of being a devoted daughter of God and a wife and a mama. It's so beautiful to see that as you post on social media and it's such a blessing. And I think a witness to people to see the beauty of how much you embrace that phenomenal calling that God's put upon your heart. So thank you for doing that too. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And, and, and I'll be praying for you and the rest of the pregnancy. It'll be, it'll be great. Amen. God knows I need it. All right. <laughs> and for you, my fantastic, do something beautiful listeners. You're amazing. I love you. I am praying for you. I am so thankful that you've joined me for another fun episode. And remember, whatever you do today, do something beautiful for God. God love you. God bless. And we'll talk to you soon. 